Don't you hate it when you're 73 episodes deep into an all-day TV show binge and the TV has the audacity to show you that are you still watching message? I mean, shift work is hard, right? And sometimes, after a long night shift, all we want is to sit on the couch for a little bit and watch some TV. And while there's nothing wrong with a good old-fashioned TV binge, it's important to manage your couch time so that you've still got time to get some exercise in and to help cultivate a social life that's beyond just the five characters in your favourite ensemble sitcom. Last week, we spoke about the first two protective factors that can help keep you mentally healthy while doing shift work. Sleeping. Body clock misalignment and sleep deprivation is very much linked to depression and anxiety and stress. And eating. It's not necessarily that more is eaten. It just could be that more is eaten at a time when our body is not quite as good at dealing with it. On this episode, we're going to discuss how our last two protective factors, how making time for exercise and socialising, even if you're on your feet and talking to people the whole shift, can make a huge difference to both your mental and physical health. Welcome to Make the Shift, the podcast from Working Well in Wellington that helps regional shift workers and their employers work better beyond the nine to five. My name's Nikki Ridges. I'm an associate professor at Deakin University. I'm based in Burwood in Melbourne. That's Nikki. She's our physical activity expert for this episode. Her research focuses on people's activity levels across the day. And it's probably no surprise that we start our chat with Nikki by reminding everyone that physical activity has a huge number of benefits to both your mental and your physical health. And it's not just about losing weight. The research is showing that if you engage in those levels of physical activity, there are a multitude of benefits. If, if physical activity was the, the pill that would help improve health, everybody would be taking it. When you're physically active, it can reduce your risk of cardiovascular disease, your risk of type 2 diabetes, it improves your weight management, um, it can really benefit your productivity, your mood, your mental health and well-being, it can increase your life expectancy. So there's a multitude of benefits for engaging in physical activity every day, or, or as often as you can. From the mental health side, it's time to check in once again with our organisational psychologist, Rachel Palmer. It's another connection that's well and truly established by research that exercise is good for our mental health. It's good for emotional regulation as well. If you're feeling anxious or angry or any, any sort of emotion, then just getting out there and getting your heart rate up is fantastic. So no surprises there. And there's also no surprises in what happens when we don't exercise. We know that people who spend too much time sitting can have increased risk of, of cardiovascular disease, increased risk of type 2 diabetes. There's a risk of increased weight gain. And we've also seen research that's showing that a lack of activity can impact on the grey matter in the brain. So it, it reduces your ability to retain information. So in terms of physical activity... How much should we actually be doing? The guidelines for adults are that we should engage in approximately 150 to 300 minutes of moderate intensity activity, which is sort of going for a brisk walk, for example, or 75 minutes of vigorous activity. So that's sort of your running, your huff and puff activity, or a combination of the two. And there should be at least two days a week where you do muscle strengthening activities. So that could be lifting heavy objects in the garden. It could be doing squats, lunges. So if you're a truck driver, say, and your job involves lots of sitting down, it's important that you do make some time to get in that combination of moderate and vigorous physical activity to enjoy those health benefits and avoid the health risks that your exercise levels can bring. But I know there's a group of people listening out there thinking, well, this doesn't apply to me because I spend my whole shift on my feet. So I get my exercise in at work. And this is where we have to break some potentially bad news to you. 
we had a, a student who's now finished, Dr. Stephanie Chapel, who was looking at the physical activity levels of emergency nurses during work time. The evidence is showing that nurses are physically active at work, which greatly exceeded the recommended activity levels. We were seeing what's been termed in the literature as this physical activity paradox, where that people who are engaging in high occupational activity may not necessarily be getting the benefits of the physical activity they're engaging in. So what we're saying is that even though those emergency nurses from Nikki's study were essentially running around their whole shift doing way more physical activity than is recommended, they didn't actually get any of the health benefits. And we don't know why. It seems that what they do at work may not necessarily have the protective mechanisms that we see for people who do physical activity and exercise in their leisure time, particularly those who are engaging in high occupational activity. So even if you are running around at work all day, this physical activity paradox means that you do still need to try and get that 150 to 300 minutes of moderate or 75 minutes of vigorous exercise in outside of work every week. That news may make you want to sit down but don't sit down too long because we've got exercise to do. Now, this all admittedly sounds deeply unfair. People that are on their feet all day need to get just the same amount of exercise as somebody sitting down all day. Even though after you've come off an eight-hour shift on your feet, your back hurts, your muscles ache, why is that? The mechanisms for this physical activity paradox are not well understood. It could be when you're manually lifting, and a lot of shift workers will do a lot of manual lifting. It can increase your blood pressure, which is actually associated with cardiovascular disease. There may be limited worker control within the environment. So heat stress, the climate that you're working in, that might actually then have an impact on your overall health. One of the interesting things as well, it's been thought that it might increase inflammation within the body. So that's an important immune function, which happens when you exercise. But if it's long-term inflammatory responses, that's been associated with cardiovascular disease itself. And I think one of the other things as well is when we've got shift workers working back-to-back shifts or across multiple days, they may be doing eight hours on Monday, eight hours on Tuesday and so forth. There's very little time to recover for those high levels of activity. In the exercise science literature, we'd call that overtraining. So our athletes would have those rest periods. But with our shift workers, they may not necessarily have those. And again, that would be associated with increased load on the body. If you're lifting up a 20 kilo bag, for example, that's going to be repeated across the shift. Whereas if you're going to the gym, you might do a set three or four times. So it's just the the level and the repetitiveness of the types of activities that you're doing, which may increase blood pressure, may elevate heart rate. And those are associated with cardiovascular disease, for example. And Nikki says that it might also be that our physical activity levels at work can influence our activity levels outside of work. Dr. Steffi Chappell looked at this. So she looked at what we call bi-directional relationships. So if you're physically active before work, what happens at work? And if you're active at work, what happens after work? with the emergency nurses in her study of those who were physically active before they went to work, their activity levels are actually lower across the day when they were at work. It sort of suggested that there may be some level of impact of their free living activity impacting on what they did at work, but also the flip side that those who were highly active during their shift, they were engaging in less activity when they left their shift. Part of that could be because what we call compensating, so they're trying to make up for the high levels of activity by increasing their sedentary time. Or could also be that life just gets busy. If you go home, you've got family members to feed and get out the door for school or you've got chores to do before you go to sleep. The scheduling of the day can really impact on when shift workers are trying to be active and to engage in that activity. If you've been on your feet all day, the last thing you want to do is be on your, your feet again. And when you're physically active, you can feel tired, you can feel sore, you can sort of a sense of 
just I don't want to do any more activity. But there's obviously things that have to happen as well to just for daily living, which may result in, in, in some levels of activity. The challenge is scheduling those times for you to be active either before work or after work. The biggest impact on people's ability to be active is this sort of time constraint. And it's even more of a challenge for shift workers. For our grad nurse, Jules, who's also a single mum, that definitely rings true. Depending on the shift, some weeks exercise-wise are awesome with because I tend to play basketball and I do karate a few nights a week. But if I'm working the lates, then I obviously don't get there. So I try to do a walk or something in the mornings that can vary week to week depending on my shifts. I was going to the gym for quite a while there, but with the shift work, I was finding that, yeah, I was either too tired to get there or I just didn't have enough time up my sleeve by the time I you know worked from 7 till 3 30 and the kids are at home they need to go to sport I need to cook dinner the day's already gone and I was like haven't even got to the gym I haven't done any of that when I'm playing basketball at night the kids are there playing basketball so that makes it a bit easier to balance those types of things but yeah I'm wanting to do more in that aspect but yeah sometimes it's just I just don't have enough hours in the day yeah, I'm just busy. Like it's, uh, there are 24-hour gyms and things like that, which is fantastic. But the last thing I want to do is be going to the gym at nine o'clock at night when I know I've got to get up at six for work and I'm tired by the end of the day to be able to go and do all those extra bits and pieces on top of the, the balance that I'm trying to get from home and social. For employers, this lack of the benefit from physical activity can impact everything from fatigue levels to absenteeism. The sort of the risks to the employer is if people are obviously with, with higher cardiovascular disease, injury and sickness, there's a risk that people are going to miss work. There's going to be increased sick leave. And I, there was a really interesting study done in the US that showed if someone does 75 minutes of vigorous activity a week, they're going to miss four fewer days of work compared to someone who's not active. So how do we fix this? Well. As we said in our previous episodes, a big part of combating this will be assisting your employees to create a roster that works for both themselves and the needs of their body. There's some people who will, they they know naturally when they want to be active, whereas with others, they can be active at any time. So those natural rhythms are important and obviously often odds with shift work. We definitely see the literature that there are people who have different daily rhythms and when they would prefer to be active. It also might include some more assistance for people who are new to shift work for making the adjustment. For those who are new to shift work, their activity levels tend to be a bit more varied. They haven't quite worked out how to pace themselves across the shift, whereas someone who's been doing this for a long time, there's almost like this natural rhythm to what they have to do. We've seen in firefighters that if they have to increase in activity in one part of the day, they can manage what's happening in the rest of the shift so that they can still do their job. In some respects, what we're seeing, is there's a natural response to it, but there's also an element of they're learning how to manage that time. And before you go installing the workplace gym and signing all your shift workers up for group aerobics, remember that the solutions we need for shift work are different from your solutions needed for your office worker who works nine to five. Maybe the best way is to actually reduce the physical stresses on your workers in the workplace so they do have the energy to engage in physical activity in their off time. In sedentary workplaces, we're thinking about how to increase activity with occupational activities where there's high levels of activity. It's actually thinking the other way is how to manage the activity 
whether there needs to be rostering that's based around how much people are doing, opportunities to help people manage their activity throughout the shift. There's been some studies that have looked at ways of managing shifts and rostering shifts to say if you've had a particularly heavy load, whether that the following day it might be a slightly lighter load. Hopefully that new knowledge will start to appear over the next few years. And of course, all your solutions should take into account the needs and the wants of your workforce. The thing is about being innovative and thinking about what can be fun, what can engage people in being physically active. And I have seen workplaces that had exercise balls and they would do activities using the exercise balls. You don't need a huge amount of space to do weight bearing and a little bit of cardio activity. You have dancing and doing walks as a, as a social thing during their breaks if they've got the opportunity. So again, lots of different things that people can, to, can do. I've, I've even seen table tennis tables in staff rooms, giving them the opportunity for that, that social activity and, and, and the activity. People often have, when they think of exercise, they think of that formal activity and it can bring up quite negative connotations. So in terms of you know promoting physical activity in the workplace, a lot of research is showing that having someone who is really driving and being that role model, and trying to showcase ways of, of activity and bringing people together. For the shift workers themselves, as we've already said, it can be tough to find the time for that 150 minutes of moderate exercise or 75 minutes of vigorous exercise every week. But it doesn't have to be huge grinding gym sessions. Rather, we can break it up into smaller bits. For the vigorous, it could be a, a 10 minute, 50 minute hit session every day, or it could be going for a, you know, a couple of runs twice a week. It's thinking about what's going to be that balance within the available time that you have. And of course, in the beginning, it's not going to be that pleasant if you haven't done a lot of exercise recently, but it'll get better. When we start to exercise more, often people will feel sore. We call it delayed of onset muscle soreness or DOMS. We can all remember we've done a big run or lifted some weights and then our muscles hurt the next day. So this is actually normal. It's a normal response to the body. It's starting to repair itself. And the more activity we do, the better it gets at repairing itself. That's normal and something to, to think that it will, it will stop hurting the more I do. But also it can help us feel more energized, that it actually increases our energy levels. It does build our, our muscles. We don't have to, to lift weights to build our muscles, which can in turn boost uh, the metabolism of the body. It improves our sleep. But also when we're active, it can reduce our blood pressure and it can also reduce our resting heart rate, which reduces that stress on the cardiovascular system. So it may, the research is showing that it has that benefits in the longer term. For Rach, that point about finding something that works for you is the most important thing. Because after all, something's better than nothing. As with all of us, I mean, shift work potentially harder, but for mums and dads and people with busy lives and, and lots of interests, caring responsibilities, all sorts, you know, struggle to prioritise exercise. And so it is, it's, it's prioritising it and and working out sort of what you enjoy. You know, health and physiology specialists will say you have to do X, Y, and Z, but there's no point having a perfect routine on paper that you don't do. It's better to have an imperfect routine that you do. In terms of the shift workers, though, what, what's really interesting is how to integrate that into your, your day because your shifts will change, your routines will be different on a, on a day-to-day basis. So it could be that you do those shorter periods of activity. They call them 10, 15-minute snacks, like a snacktivity approach. So you're snacking. You could park a few minutes further away from work and, and walk, as an example. It might be that you try to anchor the activity to the routine rather than the time of the day. So that once you've dropped, let's say, for example, the kids off at school, that's your opportunity for activity before work. And what's interesting, because of the COVID pandemic, 
the increase in digital um, technologies for people to actually be active at home has really increased. So there's YouTube channels dedicated to Pilates, to, to weight training, to resistance training, your, your hit activities. It, it could be throwing a basketball around at the park or, or a footy, walking the dog. There's all types of different movements that you can do. It doesn't have to be formal exercise. It can be activity that's integrated into your day that can have that benefit. But even things like walking up the stairs instead of taking the lift, parking um, one stop away from work and, and walking in or going for a bike ride, if, if you've got the you know, infrastructure around you to do that. It's not about losing weight. It's not about trying to, to, to run 30 minutes every day. It, it's thinking about how to integrate act, in, activity into your day so that it is what you want to do and that, that you enjoy. Exercise is a great way of being able to integrate some family and friends time into a shared activity, which brings us nicely onto our final protective factor for shift work and mental health, and that is socialising. The benefits of being physically active, they show that it does have mental health benefits in terms of reductions in depression, reductions in anxiety, for example, but also... Being physically active with um, friends and peers, that's actually been shown to be a, an important determinant or correlative of, of people's activity. So having someone to be active with or to support you, whether it be your best friend goes for the run with you or if you're thinking about the shift workers being physically active with their families, those types of benefits are, are really important as well. So getting together to exercise with our family and our friends is a great way to incorporate those two protective self-care factors into your activity outside of work. But as every shift worker will tell you, there's a reason why they call them the unsociable hours. Finding a workout buddy to come and go for a run on a weekday can be pretty tricky. And when you're a shift worker, it can feel like you're never free when everybody else is. Sometimes I'd say, oh, let's catch up. And it's like, well, when are you free? And it's like two weeks until we can catch up because they're working, they're nine to fives and they've got their weekends free where I don't always have my weekends free and through the day on the weekday when they're all at work. So it can be quite a challenge and it just means that it has to, uh, my social catch-ups become longer and fewer and far between, unfortunately. Social worker and working well in Wellington program instigator Helen saw a big risk factor in the lack of social interaction amongst shift workers when she designed this program in the first place. Human beings are social beings. We live in groups, within communities, within societies. It's, it's very, very rare for somebody to live entirely alone. As a species, we are really conditioned to live a social life. And our very existence and our survival depends on living in that society. When you take that away, you get very scared. There's the, the, the inbuilt part of your brain that fires up with the concern of being in danger really goes off. If you're left on your own for long periods of time, if you don't have somebody who loves you or who you love, if you don't have people that you can talk to and have relationships with, your brain is saying, look, there's something really, really wrong going on here. You are in danger. And that really kicks off that whole flight and fight response and, and leads to all sorts of anguish and mental ill health. Why do we get so distraught when relationships break up? Because we are essentially social people who need relationships. When we don't have those opportunities to socialise, we get frightened and, and that fear can really impact on our mental wellbeing. 
there wouldn't be a shift worker in existence that hasn't had to miss a social gathering because of work. Whether it's a family event like a birthday, whether it's holidays, Christmas, New Year's, or even just that yearly trip with the family, it can still take more of a toll on our mental health than you think. We, as social beings, we, we love celebrations, we love rituals, particularly patterned celebrations. So things that we know are going to happen every year are very, very important to us. They, they keep us feeling safe mentally that, yep, another year's gone by and this will happen next year and that's really good. You don't have to be Christian to necessarily love Christmas. Christmas is gorgeous because it's something that happens once a year, gives you a sense of another year going going by. And if you are religious, it's really important to have those religious observances because, again, they're usually done in a really important social context. When those social activities take place, you are usually with people who have similar views to yours. Hopefully they, they like you, if not love you. So there's a lot of positive things happening there. So when you can't be part of those, again, the, the, the brain knows there's something wrong. If you usually spend New Year's Eve with a certain group of people and you've been doing it for years and it's part of who you are and you feel really comfortable and you look forward to that, when you take that away, that can become really, really difficult. It compounds it if you don't know if you'll be able to do it next year or the year after, or the year after that. Coming back to shift work, we found that shift workers who had fixed shifts, so they knew in three years' time exactly what shift they would be doing, they were coping a lot better because they could plan around those social activities. They knew they could get two out of three Easters camping with their mates. And so the predictability of that and knowing that I might not be able to do it this year, but I know I can do it next year, that's really important. For Jules, waiting an extra week to see a friend is just one of those things about shift work. It's not a deal breaker, but it is one of those things you have to be conscious of. It's not so bad. At least we still get to do it, but it just makes it that little bit harder. It's just one of those little obstacles that comes with shift work. And yeah, we always try to work around it the best I can. And working around it is a big consideration for somebody on a rotating roster, like a nurse. Unpredictability, whether it's about when you'll be available, when you're working, or when you'll be called in on your day off to cover someone else, is one of those things that can have an insidious effect on your mental health. When your social life is unpredictable, it's very, very difficult. We tend to brush it off. That's one of the ones that we often say on, just toughen up, you'll be right. You'll be able to go next year. Well, do you know you're going to go next year? One of the things that the shift workers said to us is, if only we knew that we would be able to get every second Christmas with our family, that'd be great. But you just don't know. And a feeling that you can't meet those social commitments is also really difficult for those shift workers. If your child says to you, Dad, are you going to be home for my birthday? and you don't know because you haven't got your shift yet, and you can request it, but you don't know if you're going to get it, that, that's, that's really difficult. They're difficult conversations that shift workers have to have much more often than, than other people do. For Jules, it's a constant consideration to manage her calendar and her roster around her social events to make sure she's still able to do the things she enjoys. 
I, I try to roster myself so that, you know, especially if I know that I've got events and things coming up that I try and get that time off or I try and stack my roster so that if I know a certain night of the week I'm heading to karate, I try not to work that night and put it as a day shift. So I try to get that balance so that I can still hang out with my friends while I'm doing sport and things like that. We've already seen in the way that social bonds and social connections can form around doing shared activities with your family like exercise. But food is one of those things that facilitates social bonds too. Last week, we heard from Maxine Bonham, Associate Professor at Monash University in the Department of Nutrition, Dietetics and Food. One of the things she's observed about nutrition in the shift work industry is the way food plays a role in the social aspect of shift work. There's this really communal spirit among some shift working industries. So we've worked with some firefighters and they have a big cook up at night. And so they sort of have a really big spread and it's like their family dinner. And I think some of the nurses we've worked with bring in treats at nighttime. Again, it's this collegiate atmosphere. Maxine says this can present a challenge when you're encouraging people to eat healthy at work. To take that away from people who are working overnight to save lives just seems really mean. <laughs> but so it, it's really difficult to try and they have such a hard lifestyle and then to start taking aspects out that are the only pleasure you may get at night is it is a real challenge. For Rachel, it might be a case of trying to separate that social and food aspect. There's five people at the vending machine and it's a time to, you think you're getting the sugar, but actually you're getting the conversation. So sort of taking a step back and sort of looking at what actually is going on, I think is really helpful. One example of a workplace initiative that really worked for both exercise and social is what Saputo Dairy Australia did in their four-week activity challenge leading up to Christmas in 2020. Manager for Health Services and Wellbeing, Scott Rebecca, says that although they put the challenge in place to help employees with their physical activity, an unexpected benefit was the way in which the team's social interactions improved over the course of that challenge essentially is walk as far as you can. The walk was as it was along the Great Ocean Road, so you could visualise where you were as a team walking along. It was through an external provider. People formulated the teams and then they basically competed against others, other teams, to see how far they could get along the Great Ocean Road. A number of teams who had some runners and so forth got into it. The great thing about it was that you could convert any activity into distance. So it didn't have to just purely be walking. It could be riding, it could be swimming, it could be an aerobics. We, we had nearly, over probably nearly 35% of our workforce participated in that, which is, and it might not seem a lot, but 35%, 40% is, is a pretty good number. There's, um, there's certainly some banter that goes on between teams and, and teams within teams. So you might be in finance and there might be five teams in finance and they're, they're bantering amongst themselves and they're challenging themselves to you know, more activity and how that increases in an overall view. So it was predominantly around we need to get people active because we were in lockdown and we wanted to support that and we knew it would come out to, to Christmas and it was and it was a great challenge. But we didn't really anticipate the socialising and the banter and, and the, the competitive nature of, of our organisation and how they gravitated to want it to be certainly the out in front from a uh, where where the leaders and we had some prizes and so forth and not only prizes for winners but prizes for those who made the, the most improvement but what was also really good is that the, our senior leadership team were actively involved and there was banter between them because not all of them were in the same team so there were certainly some you know challenges and some conversations around 
I'm actually, we're in front of you and you're not catching up with us and you're further down. So that whole socialising and, and competitive nature and having a little bit of fun uh, amongst our employees is fantastic. Four protective factors. Sleep, diet, exercise and social life. Those four things are key to protecting your mental health as a shift worker. But as Scott's example shows, they're all interconnected and it's important to not just focus on one above all the others. They all can then start impacting on each other and it becomes a spiral. So if I'm a person who, when I get anxious about something, might not eat as well as I normally do, then that might also impact on the exercise that I may or may not do, which could impact on the sleep that I am or am not having. Any of those four things can go in any direction and have impacts, the multiple impacts that I think make shift work so much more difficult. If I'm only dealing with one thing, I can kind of cope a lot better. But if I've got to deal with four things, then that little part in my brain that gets really scared and says, geez, you're in trouble, can really overhype. Human beings don't like unknowns and shift work provides us with a lot of unknowns. So is this even possible to get right? Rachel says no, but that shouldn't deter us from trying to get close. I would say that for most of us, no, it's impossible to do it all perfectly. I'm not a shift worker and I don't do all of that stuff perfect. And that that sort of sense of it has to be perfect comes with the cost as well, because I didn't go for my run this morning and I ate too many carbs for breakfast. So let's just stuff it for the rest of the day and we'll start again tomorrow. And that's actually really unhelpful. You you drop your phone and you break the screen. You don't jump up and down on top of it just because it has one crack in it. You don't make it worse. Okay, so I had the wrong thing for breakfast, but you know, the whole day's ahead of me. I didn't get up out of of bed and, and go for a run like I planned, but it's a long time till bedtime. So just reset, keep going. Next time on Making the Shift. It's time to pause and take a look at a type of shift work that has its own particular demands on home and family life. If they can put up with the time away, the time at home makes up for it. So Sometimes you've got to question it. That's right. We're talking FIFO. How to work well while you're working fly in, fly out. Next time on Make the Shift. Make the Shift is a podcast produced as part of the Working Well in Wellington Toolkit by Wellington Primary Care Partnership and funded by WorkSafe's WorkWell Mental Health Improvement Fund. This podcast was recorded in Gippsland on the traditional lands of the Gunai Kurnai and Bunurong peoples. It was produced by Jetstreamer and voiced by Chris Plumridge. For more episodes, search for Make the Shift on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and wherever else you get your podcasts. For more information about the Working Well in Wellington initiative or to download the toolkit, visit maketheshift.org.au.